Hello and welcome to Freedom Through Truth, a broadcast outreach of Ministries of Wayne Weaver, bringing the freedom of God through the truth of God's Word. Let's tune in to today's message. And we will not mingle and we will not mix. We will not go to the world's strategies and ideas. And I believe that's what we have so much in our modern-day counseling that's out there in the world today. It is our modern-day move of counseling people into world fashions, and it's often advised out of Egypt. Rather than knowing the counselor, and I believe one of the works of the enemy is to somehow try and take this enmity away and make us apologetic, and as a result of being apologetic, we'll start eating of that fruit of knowledge, and when we'll have good and evil off of one tree. And when we do that, we lose the power of God. We lose the strength of God, we lose the purity of God, and we'll lose the holiness of God. There is a divine purpose in enmity, and it is to keep us from eating evil and mixing it. One of the greatest truths, I believe, in God's Word from the Garden of Eden is very, this very thing, that He made enmity to, between, to be between me and the enemy. And I should never feel apologetic to be around him. Never should I feel in the midst of when there's people parting and carrying on and so forth, should I ever feel that I should say that I'm sorry, but I cannot do this. I'm sorry, but I, you know, there's a group of people and they're all wanting to go to a bar, perhaps. I'm just giving instances. Wanting to go to a bar and just living up. I'm sorry, but I cannot do that. I'm a Christian. No, we're never sorry that we're Christians. They should start being sorry that they're not Christians. And I believe once the church has the power that was originally given to the church, the people will be sorry where they're not part of. We will see that, and we heard that in the revivals of the Hebrides Island of Lewis. We hear that the people were apologetic for not being Christians. They came and said, I'm sorry, but I've not found this Jesus yet. It was because of the power of God was so clear and so full and so holy. And I believe that is what God wants us to go back to. And that's where he placed enmity between us. Yet we often feel so apologetic about it. We should never feel apologetic. As long as we feel apologetic, God will not use you in the capacity that he can Enmity is God-given. It is God-designed so that we do not pollute with the children of the world. You understand? Now I'd like to look at Genesis chapter 25, verse 26. And after that came his brother out, talking about Esau and Jacob. Several weeks ago, I preached a message on Jacob. But if it was that message, that, that was a message on, oh, that Ishmael might live. And if you remember back in what I said in that message, if your mind goes back there, look at this verse. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took a hold on Esau's heel. Let's go back to the verse I just read. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seat and her seat. It shall bruise thy heel. The enmity shall bruise thy heel. Here comes Jacob, and he has a hold of Esau's heel. If you correlate that picture and bring it into where you can see it, you see that Jacob came out 
or Esau came out and Jacob came out. He had a hold of his heel. What is the next thing that happened? When Jacob saw that Esau had the blessing, he wanted that blessing. So what did he do? He got a hold of his heel by offering him some very good stew and he yielded and gave his birthright. That's the first thing that Satan did in the garden. He took the birthright of Eve and Adam. He took a hold of their heel, that which belonged to them, he took. And the next thing that we know happened is the blessing fell because the hand was placed upon Jacob because he disguised himself like the serpent did on the tree. And when there was a blessing on the whole earth, now it turned into a curse. You see that the exact thing is what it was saying here happened right when Jacob and Esau were born. It was at this point where this already took place. And so one thing that we will see that the enemy will continually try to do, he will continually try to take your blessing and to take your birthright. What is my birthright? I am born again. My father is Jesus. That's my birthright. Do you agree with that? That is your Jesus. That's your birthright. On your birth certificate in a spiritual, that is written that way. And there's one thing that Satan wants to do. He wants to bruise your heel and he wants to take a hold of that thing and pull it from you so that you lose your salvation or to keep you from it. You see, this is exactly what happened in the garden. This is exactly what happened with Jacob. This is what happened with Esau. And if you remember when the birthright that was given falsely, or I should say deceptively, on Jacob, when that happened, the next thing you will notice, Jacob ends up running from Esau. All right? He ran from Esau. Why is he running from Esau? Because Esau wanted to kill him. But God changed the picture when Jacob lay down in the dust in Jabba, and he said, God... I'm done. I cannot go on anymore. I cannot live like this anymore. And he took all the strength that he had, the, four, or the, 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 the multitudes of people and strength that he accumulated down through the years and he surrendered it to the other side of Jabal and he laid in the sands and there he laid. And he knew when he looked over his shoulder that Esau is coming and he's coming to get him with 400 some people and he was no match. And at that point when God saw that he was in the sand and he was done with Jacob, he blessed him and made him Israel. And when Israel came out, what happens next? Remember the first, just to take you back, for some of you that didn't hear that. Remember when Jacob put his blessing upon Esau, he said, are you Esau? Or on Jacob. When Isaac put his blessing on Jacob, Esau asked Jacob, are you Esau? And he said, I am. Okay, so he was an Esau all that long, all that while. There was two things wrestling in him. There was an Esau wrestling in him, and there was a Jacob wrestling in him, and they were fighting, and this is Romans chapter 7. The things that I wanted to do, I couldn't do. And the things that I didn't want to do, those are the things that I did. Until he surrendered himself in the sand at Jabbok, and then God asked him the question, that angel that night, the first question he asked him, what is your name? What is your name? He said, Jacob. Ah, the other time you was asked, you said you were Esau. So he divided those. He took the Esau out of Jacob. 
And he looked over his shoulder, and there comes Esau with 400-some people wanting to kill him and take everything he had. At that point, Jacob lay there in the sand, and he said, I don't care. And at the worst time of his life, according to human thinking and ability, is when he limped and he went to meet Esau that wanted to kill him. He couldn't run or nothing. What happened? God started changing Esau. Right when he, right when he changed Jacob, he went and he changed Esau. Next thing you know, they were in each other, were kissing each other and weeping each other's arms. And I don't know that it's necessary for me to go back and speak about that, but I'm wanting to refer this to the bruising of the heel. You see, that's what Jacob did. He bruised Esau's heel. And at the end, that final surrender, it turned back and it what? Just what it says here, that he will bruise through enmity. You see, Esau and Jacob lived together now. There was battle, there was fight. And now when that was separated, now Jacob could live the life. And Esau surrendered. The bruising of the heel. This is the power that God has given us. And I don't want to speak long about that and just continue on into another subject, perhaps. I'm going to be talking about several different subjects, but yet briefly. But I'm going to bring it to the surface so you see it. Among humanity, there is protection for safety of the elite. We all know that. If we would have the president of the United States walk in here today, they would have come and they would have found out who is going to be present today. They would have looked into our backgrounds to see if we are safe to be in his presence because there might be somebody here that would threaten him. Not so with God. God doesn't need protection. But look at this picture, something dramatically different. God has to protect himself from us. Have you ever thought of that? That's what holiness does. The holiness of God, look at this picture. It's the strength and power of God. Now let's go back to the Garden of Eden and look at the cherubims again. There were the cherubims. What were they protecting? So that the people would not eat of the tree of life. It wasn't that they would have hurt the tree of life. No. They would have been hurt by it. Let's look at the, the cherubims and the Ark of the Covenant. There was cherubims in the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant, they had their wings out, it says. And they covered the sides of the Ark. And it says that God spoke from off the mercy seat right off of that Ark. He spoke off of there. And, and so the priest, the high priest came in there once a year. And that's where God was communicating with him. But there was a covering like a wing that draped down over the, over, over the front of the ark, and as another one on the other side draped down over, and then there was a thick veil here yet. That veil was so that nobody could get in there because if they would go in there, they would die unless they were a high priest. One exception. No, it was not the exception. It was going into the holy place. So you see that God needed enmity, as, and he put the veil there so that nobody, so that nobody would recklessly run into God and be destroyed. It wasn't that God was afraid they would hurt him. You see, God needs protection. God needs protection, not so that we hurt him, but he'll hurt us because of his holiness. Now, you might say, I don't agree with that, but listen me out. We're finding, we'll find some more things. Then when we look at the temple, in the temple we had the same story. 
in the Ark of the Covenant that was in the temple, you then again had cherubims. It was, uh, they were on the mercy seat, and they had their, their, their wings touched each other, and they draped down in front, and it even draped back over the handle so nobody could get a hold of that. So there was a complete draping there and another veil. And this was a very thick veil. And I believe this to be a pattern again, that we see that God's protection was to keep his holiness to himself so that people will not touch it because nobody can see, no man can see God and live. That we understand. And then when Jesus died at the cross, when the mercy of God came to us and Jesus died at the cross and forgave our sins in his death, it was at that point when the veil started opening from the top and go all the way down. And it opened, and I believe that's when the cherubim's wings went down and we have access to the throne. Now today we have access in boldness, we can approach the throne of God. We can approach the holiness of God. Not only that, but we can even have the nature of that very holiness within us. But it will alone come through the mercy of God. It will only come through God's mercy. That's the only way we can approach his throne. And it's through grace, through Jesus Christ, in what he did. Now, we'll notice another thing that happened right at that moment. That as soon as Jesus died on the cross, it says the veil was rent in the temple. Now, there's another verse that I would like to read to you. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which, in verse 19, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. But I could have a whole message on the imprisoned spirit. You see, our flesh... Thank you for listening to today's program. We hope you were blessed. This program is made possible by the generous donations of our listeners. Check out our website and get our weekly word e-letter by signing up at www.ministriesofwayneweaver.com. Until next time, God bless.